you would, 1 Kings chapter number 2, 1 Kings chapter number 2, and we draw our attention to uh, a portion of scripture that I want to encourage you with tonight. We won't be long. Uh, This is one of those passages of scripture that really, uh, it really does preach itself. And as you come to chapter number 2 of 1 Kings, it's very clear what is taking place because it lays it out right at the beginning for you of why these words are being expressed, what the situation is, and they get right to the point. There's no beating around the bush. There's no, let's lay some groundwork. There's no, hey, we're going to get to the point, but let me just talk for a second. No, it gets right to the point. Look what it says. Now, the days of David drew nigh that he should die. Very, very simple right there. Uh, David's days are drawing nigh. He is about to die. And the Bible says, And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. A couple of years ago, we encountered what we, many of us, will go back in our lives. And there will come a time when some of you are going to relay uh, the year 2020 and certain things that took place for you. It would be considered, uh, in, our, in our nation's history, the year of COVID is what many people are going to always call it. And there were a lot of things that was unfamiliar territory. Uh, there were things that took place where we look back and we say, man, we wouldn't want to ignore that again. And the, the churches was shut down and uh, we were not able to meet together. And uh, there was a lot of uncertainty. And I remember that as we began to try to navigate through that, there came a time whenever it was just about uh, 8 to 10 people meeting on a Sunday morning, and we would meet, and we would have a live stream Sunday morning service. Uh, there were, uh, was a time when we were just recording the Sunday morning and the Sunday evening and the, the Wednesdays, and we would try to post those and, and share that, all of that. And that was something that we, we look back and we say, that was not fun. Uh, it was not fun looking at a, a camera and not being able to see a congregation like we get to tonight. But while we acknowledged the things that were not really that pleasant, there were some things that I believe were a tremendous help to our church personally. One of the very first things that we began to navigate through was whenever we started having our services, if you were here during all of that time, then you remember that while we had a full-blown Sunday morning service, we didn't have children's church. We didn't have Sunday school. We didn't have those things. But we would meet in the auditorium. The kids were in the auditorium during that one service. And we tried to keep it uh, as simplistic in the sense of we were very cautious. We were aware that there were children in the services, that moms and dads were having to tend to them. And we tried to be aware of those things. And so one of the very first things that we did is we had a combined Sunday morning service. And then on Sunday evenings, we would allow the ladies to come to church. And the men would stay at home with the kids. And on Wednesdays, the men would come to church and the ladies would stay at home with the kids. The reason for that was we were trying to uh, basically allow the parents who had young children to be able to get something from those services without having to wrestle their children. Uh, And I believe it was a tremendous help to to our church and to uh, the ladies separately and to the men separately. And there was a time whenever we started that. And for the men, one of the very first passages that, if you remember, we went to was this one right here. And here's why. Notice what the Bible says. 
In 1 Kings chapter number 2, look with me in verse number 2. The Bible says this. I go the way of all the earth, be thou strong therefore, and notice these last words, and show thyself a man. Now when you look at this, you might look and you might read this pastor scripture and think that he is saying, hey, find yourself an example. Now you might look at this verse and you might think that he is saying, hey, go and find yourself a, another individual that you can look up to or that you can model your life after. Hey, Solomon, I'm about to exit the scene. Daddy is no longer going to be here. You've got to find yourself an example. But that's not what he is talking about. As a matter of fact, as you walk through this portion of Scripture, and he goes in in verse number 1, he says, Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son. Now that, that word charge speaks of commanded, if you would. I imagine David here, as he is talking to Solomon, he is, he is very simply becoming uh, very plain with his speech in this, this time of his life. There's no time to beat around the bush. There's no time to... to to, to, to kind of suggest some things. He is very plain in his speech, and he goes on and he says this, as he says, he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Now, don't miss this. David is ready to depart. Uh, David's not, he's not hating this situation. He, he's ready. As he talks and he says, I go the way of the earth, all the earth, speaking of death there, he says, be thou strong. Now that statement, be thou strong, is, is exactly what it's talking about. Be thou strong. Be strong. Therefore, show thyself a man. And now as you walk and you walk through these first two verses, you then transition to verse number three, and you really catch the vision of what David is trying to get across to his son. And this statement, show thyself a man, very simply speaks of being exceptional, if you would. Being all in all. There comes a time in every single one of our lives as we either are the child that is growing up in the home or you are now a parent and you're having children that your, your children come to a place where they have to start making their own decisions. And you can imagine for just a moment as David is sharing the advice here, he is trying to get his son to understand, hey, David, you can no longer rely upon daddy. You can't live through daddy's testimony. You, you, can't, you can't be a man the, the way that dad was a man just because you said, hey, I'm going to be who my dad was. No, there has to come a time when you, David, or you, Solomon, are making the decision, hey, if my father was a man of God, I want to be a man of God. If my father walked with the Lord, then there has to come a time whenever I decide, you know what, I can't just live in a life and say, hey, my dad walked with the Lord, so obviously it'll just pass on. No, 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 you have to make a decision. And he begins to elaborate on these things. And in verse number 3 he says, and keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in His ways, to keep His statutes and His commandments and His judgments and His testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. You see, today's Christianity is, is filled with weak-willed Christians who faint and fail to follow the Lord's direction because they're unwilling to sacrifice themselves. Many of us, if we're not careful, we live a very selfish lifestyle and we want to do what we want to do and we want to have what we want to have and we're unwilling to lay our all at the altar and say, Lord, I surrender myself to you. You do what you choose to do. We're afraid of the will of God. 
We're, we're not satisfied with, with waiting on the will of God. We're not satisfied with wondering what the will of God is going to reveal because we want to know, we want to know right this very moment. I believe every single one of us, if we were to take some time this evening and to begin to share a testimony, I believe that if every one of us was to be revealed the future 10 years from now, and what God's will was, every single one of us, if we're not careful, we'd have to exercise faith because the way we think it's going to be and the way it's going to be is probably two different things. If you would have told me a year or so before I had come to Gateway Baptist Church, all of these things that would begin to take place and that I might be pastoring a church and all of this, I would have told you, hey, I'm not, I've not signed up for that. I wouldn't have had the faith. One of the great joys in the Christian life is the very joy that you find whenever you do get to experience the grace of God by walking in faith. There's a thrill about it. There's a joy within knowing that, hey, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I do know who holds tomorrow. There's something special about not having to worry. There are times whenever we'll have conversations and, and there are times every once in a while, maybe once or twice a year, we'll, when someone will ask a question concerning, hey, are you ever worried about the future or, or, or what, what might happen or what might take place? And I've come to the place in my own life where I don't get worried any longer about those things. Because I've realized that my future is not in my control. So why should I rest in worry and why should I yield my life to concern and why should I give in to the temptation of being a faithless Christian when I could say, you know what, the Lord truly has never failed me, so I can trust that he's going to continue to take care of me. As I think about David here, a couple of weeks ago we dealt with the advice that was being given and, and all those many things as you begin to think about that time that is going to come. My, my son, I begin to think about Jackson. You know, we, we think about uh, the time that we have with our children in our home, and Jackson is six years old. That means one-third of his life within my home is already gone. That's a weird thing to think about. Because it seems just like yesterday that we were, we were uh, accepting the call to come to, to Gateway Baptist Church and then uh, accepting the call to pastor the church. And Jackson had just been born and it just seems like yesterday. But we fast forward to today and he's, he's one third of his life is, and our home is completely gone. And I begin to think about that sometimes. I begin to wonder, what have I done with the first third of investing in my child's life that I have? Has he seen a godly father? Has he seen a dad that, that is loving and caring? Has he seen a dad that is going to take steps of faith? Has he, has he seen a dad that understands the, the perfect will of God and the seriousness of it? Has Jackson caught the vision that we don't just serve the Lord because we have to, but we serve the Lord because we get to? Has Jackson grown up in a home, the first uh, third of his life in our home, understanding the importance of the Word of God, the will of God, and walking with the Lord? Has he understood that we don't just come to church because, hey, it's just another hobby, it's another activity? Has he understood that we go to church because we get to worship a holy God? What has Jackson called in the first six years of his life that will transition into the next six years of his life? You begin to think about the advice that is being offered here. I imagine David as he is commanding Solomon and charging him these things. And I can imagine that he is trying to get the point across and he's doing it in a very simple way as he says, show thyself, hey, be all in all, be exceptional. I believe 
as I look at these young men right here on the front row, and that their parents want them to be exceptional men. And I imagine if Brother Chris were to walk up to these two boys right here, and here he say, listen guys, I think we all know the Lord has been faithful. The Lord has been good. I could go on and on and on about all the things the Lord has done in my own life. But gentlemen, there's got to come a time whenever you choose to be exceptional. There's got to come a time whenever you take the things of God seriously. There's got to come a time whenever you stop playing games and wondering all of these things. And and you've got to understand that, hey, the Lord that I serve is the Lord that you get to serve. And He's a wonderful God. Some of you grew up in a Christian home and... You might have grown up in church and you were able to experience many of the blessings of God. You are able to experience them in your home. And there might have come a time whenever your parents stopped and just paused and prayed for you. Uh, one of the moments that I cherish in my own life, and this was not from my stepdad or my, my mom or my dad or anything. This was actually a, a couple of years ago. I say a couple of years ago, five or so years ago. We This came up in our Sunday school class, but we traveled to New York for my brother's wedding. And as we were walking out of the, uh, the wedding reception and everything that was taking place, we went over and we ate, and as we were walking out, my, my grandfather in New York and my grandmother, one of the things that I admire about them is they, they don't care who's around. If the Lord leads them to pray, they're going to stop right there and they're going to pray. I mean, you could be in the mall. I mean, you could be in the front door of the mall, and they're going to stop right there if they see someone that needs prayer, and they're going to, they're going to cause a scene because they've got to pray, and if you want to get in the mall, you've got to find another entrance. That's, that, that's just kind of how they are. You say, that's rude. Well, take it up with them. They're from New York. You ain't going to change their mind, all right? But they're, 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 that's just who they are. And I remember we were walking out the doors, and the reception's taking place, and people are eating the meal, and we're walking out, and we were heading back to Tennessee. And I remember my two brother-in-laws and I were walking out and we were about to leave and they stopped us and my grandparents were right there and they were giving us all a hug and asking a couple questions and, and letting us know that they were proud of us as we were heading back. And they stopped right there and just began to pray with us. And I remember as my grandfather was praying that he was overcome with emotion as he began to pray and he just began to, to cry. And he began to ask the Lord to have his hand of protection upon to guide us, and to help us to stay faithful. And I remember that moment, and I remember it like it was just yesterday. I remember as I was listening to his prayer that it was about one of the most genuine prayers I'd ever heard. And that's exactly what I imagine is that is taking place right here, is David is trying to get the point across to Solomon. Solomon, you don't have any time to waste. Solomon, you, you don't have a life that just needs to be given to this and be given to this. Listen, Solomon, I want you to understand this statement, show thyself a man. Okay, find an example. No, no, don't find an example. Uh, find another individual I can follow after. No, don't find someone to follow after. You, show thyself a man. You, be exceptional. You, be all in all. You, be sold out. David is sharing this. Solomon, understand this. You, be The man God needs you to be. Three things we see that need to take place in every single one of our lives if we're ever going to get to the place where we are an exceptional Christian. 
When I say an exceptional Christian, I mean someone who is all in all for God. Someone who is desiring that the Lord's plan would be fulfilled in our lives. The Lord's will would be lived out in our lives. That we are not playing games. We are not sidetracked by society and all of the the materialistic things. But we keep eternity in view. We say, Lord, I want to walk with you and follow you. Three things that we see. Number one, there has to come a time whenever you make a decision to follow Christ. There has to come a time when you make a decision to follow Christ. A conclusion or resolution reached after this consideration. What am I going to do with my life? You need to decide whether you're going to follow Christ or not. You see, there are far too many Christians this evening that are sitting in churches right this very moment that are just there because they feel obligated to be there. There are far too many Christians that are going to sit under the preaching of God's Word and hear that God desires to do something great with their life, and they're going to contemplate that. And they're going to walk outside, they're going to continue to contemplate it. They're going to go through this next week, they're going to continue to contemplate it. They're going to come back Sunday, and they're going to still be contemplating it because they are unwilling to make a decision to follow Jesus. You know, the Bible tells us in Scripture, one of the things that we find to be a major hiccup within many of our lives is found in Proverbs chapter number 3, verse number 5, when the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thy heart. I just don't know if I can do that. Ah, you're saying to trust the Lord with all thy I just don't know if I can do that. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. He shall direct thy path. One of the things that we oftentimes struggle with is, is selling out to certain things. You know, we've used examples. Many of you have a specific brand of vehicles that you're only going to buy because you've sold out to those things. Some of you are, are, are Hershey, Hershey's chocolate only people. Some of you are Nestle uh, quick people and you've sold out. You're, you're one or the other. Some of you are, are Coke people. Some of you are Pepsi people. And we could go on and on about all of these many things. And we're sold out to all of these many things within our lives. But the one thing that in the day-to-day living in the Christian life that we struggle to do is to truly sell out to God. The struggle is real. We, We face it every single day because we're unwilling to acknowledge, hey, it's not about me, it's all about Him. And we'll get amens. We'll shout about it. We'll agree. But then we don't live it out. You see, and David is trying to get this point across to His son, as he is saying to Solomon, show thyself a man. Listen, Solomon, there has to come a time in your own life when you're courageous, when you're wise, when you're mature, when you make the decision, Lord, I want to be who you want me to be. I think about some of the heroes of the faith. I was just uh, talking to another preacher who actually has preached for us before. I messaged him because he made a post about a book that he's reading, and it's a phenomenal book. And there are, there are a couple of books that, that I will keep in my library. I've got one over in my, my uh, as many of you keep calling it, a man purse. It's not a man purse, all right? It's a bag, okay? <clears throat> but it's a little more sophisticated than carrying a backpack on my, on my back, all right? But I've got it over there in my bag, all right? And some of the books that have helped me the most are about that thick. And they're plain and simple. They get right to the point. They're books that encourage me in the matter of prayer or holiness. And one of the books that has been a tremendous help to me is a book entitled Heartbeats of Holiness. And as you begin to think about that, many of us, we begin to desire to be holy, but what does that actually mean? 
What does it mean to be holy? As you begin to think about this conversation that is taking place here, Solomon is being given this command. He is being told these things, and all of this is going on. And one of the things you begin to find out, in verse number 3, he begins to elaborate on some of these things. And the things that he is elaborating on right this very moment begin to deal with one common thing. That as you walk with the Lord, naturally holiness will begin to develop. You see, we make the Christian life a little more complicated than it needs to be. We begin to think all of these many things have to take place and we've got to do this and that. How about we just start walking with the Lord? You say, Lord, I want to be an individual that prays. Well, hey, you want to be an individual that prays? Walk with the Lord. Well, what does that mean? Get in His Word. Just spend time in prayer. Uh, Just desire to commune with Him and to to develop that relationship. The Bible says this in Amos 3.3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? You know, walking with the Lord requires an agreement. Lord, Your will is perfect. Your way is perfect. But uh, Lord, I, I want to do this. And uh, your word says this, but I want to do this. And so all of a sudden we agree right there that we disagree. And that is the one thing that we struggle with within our lives as Christians is many times we'll say that we believe this book, but we don't like to agree to God's ways. You know, I, you've heard it said many times whenever you're talking to uh, people who are not necessarily Christian. Some of them might be agnostic. Some of them might just be uh, plain and simple uh, atheist. Or some might just be backslidden. And the statement might be said every once in a while, Well, you Christians, you guys just don't know how to have fun. and Your God just wants to ruin all of the fun in life. One of the things that I have found to be true is that whenever I yield my life to this book right here and the truths that are found in this book, that I've saved myself from a lot of heartache, from a lot of destruction. And I have found more joy in living a life that is completely yielded to the Lord and given to God than I ever could living for myself in my own self-pleasure. You see, and so we say right this very moment, okay, this is the truth, this is the Word of God. Do you agree with all that is said in this book right here. As you see, a life that is walking with the Lord not only requires agreement, but walking with God requires faithfulness. The Bible was very clear about Enoch, that he was a faithful man. Moses was faithful. You begin to think about walking with God, it requires fellowship. Hey, many of the times whenever we desire to walk with the Lord, one of the things that we're unwilling to do is fellowship with the Lord. Lord, I want to be the Christian you saved me to be. Okay, how about you fellowship with me? Well, I want to fellowship with someone else requirements of fellowship. Walking with God requires separation. Walking with God requires confidence, but it's not in ourselves, it's in Him. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Solomon is receiving this advice and this counsel, and it's very plain and simple. Hey, Solomon, there has to come a time in your life whenever you show thyself a man. You have to decide. I'm not ready to decide. You have to decide. Number two, there needs to be a dedication to God's Word. A dedication to God's Word. The word dedication speaks of the quality of being committed to a task or a purpose. In Proverbs 16.3, the Bible says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. As you go and you walk through and you begin to see the importance of God's Word, you'll find that as you get into God's Word, all of a sudden you're just naturally living a life that Lord intended for you to live because you're getting alone with God, you're getting in communication with the Lord, you're fellowshipping the Lord, you're separating yourself unto God, and you're worshiping Him that way it was intended to take place. 
You see, worship is not an activity. Worship is an attitude. Sometimes, you know, one of my biggest frustrations with our, our modern Christianity is, is when we begin to talk about worshiping the Lord, we limit it to, and people will say, well, what's your worship like? I know what they're saying, but worship is more than the congregational singing. And worship is more than the, the times whenever the, 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 the group gets up and sings or the solo begins again, begins singing. Worship is more than just praying. Worship is all-encompassing. Sometimes we limit it. We begin to think it's an activity and we don't realize that it's an attitude that comes from a surrendered life within our lives. And we begin to ask ourselves, what are we willing to do with this book right here? We're willing to do anything. And Look, I know about as many statistics when it comes to basketball as many people in this auditorium. Growing up, I was all in all when it came to basketball. There were some TV shows that we would watch, but it was very rare. Most of the time when you walked into our house, I was laying on the ground watching ESPN. That's just what I did. I loved it. I loved being able to keep up with the stats and being able to, to you know, be aware of all those things. I grew up loving those things. But there, there came a time in my life when I realized that while all of that is okay, there is something far greater as I get into God's Word and realize He has something for me. Look, I don't know where you're at right this very moment, but I struggle with this and it breaks my heart and it, I, it tears me to pieces every single day because I want my life to be a life that is used of the Lord. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know where that's going to take me, but I just want to end my life one day saying, Lord, I gave my all to you. As a pastor, I want that. As a husband, I want that. As a father, I want that. As a friend, I want that. As an individual, I want that. As, as very simply a Christian, I just say, Lord, I want my life to be surrendered to you. I don't know where you're going to take me. I don't know what you're going to do in my life. But, Lord, I want to be all in all for you. But I find myself like Paul. Lord, the things I want to do and I know to do, I, I won't do them. Lord, the things I know I'm not supposed to do and the things I'm not supposed to, to, to take place, I, Lord, those are the things I keep doing. And every single day, I wrestle. Every single day, I say, Lord, I, I mean, just yesterday. Studying, preparing, and, and I'm praying, Lord, just do something amazing to Lord, I want to be used, and, and, and it's one of those things where growing up, I remember the exact same feeling whenever I was playing sports, and I wanted so badly to be the best basketball player I could be. And there came a, real, a realization one day that basketball was temporal. It really didn't matter. That I had a greater calling on my life, and there's just no comparison to as a kid growing up and wanting to be the best, uh, the best basketball player that I could be, to realizing that the Lord has a purpose for my life, and I want to fulfill that purpose. Every single day, I want to be able to do as much as I can for the Lord, and every single day, I want to be able to see all that God desires for me to experience in my life. I don't want to miss an opportunity. I don't want to walk into the store and someone be waiting right in front of me to have a conversation about the Lord and me to walk right on past them because I have something else I'm trying to do. I don't want to walk into my home and my, my children ask me some questions about the Bible or some things about their own personal life that they need their daddy and in those moments me shun them away because I just want to be left alone. I don't want to miss those moments. I don't want to walk in the house and my wife need to talk to me about something, but I've had a long day and so I say, hey, uh, just leave me be. for this. I don't want to miss those moments. But I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back and See the advice that was offered to a young Solomon. Show thyself a man. Be exceptional. 
the all in all. There has to come a time when you begin to decide what are you going to do with the Lord. There has to come a time when you dedicate yourself to the Word of God and the reading of the Word of God. Number three, and we finish with this, there has to be a devotion to a godly life. Devotion speaks of loyalty. It speaks of enthusiasm for a person, an activity, or a cause. One preacher was dealing with this. I believe it was D.L. Moody who said, Every man will invest his life in something that will ultimately be revealed and then either destroyed or rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. And I began to think about those beginning words. Every man will invest his life in something. I think back on my own life and there are times whenever I'll put so much time and energy and effort into certain things that truly just do not matter. And I'll look back and see that I missed opportunities here and I missed opportunities there. And all of, all of it comes back to one thing. I'm selfish. And I begin to think about what am I doing right this very moment with the opportunities the Lord has just placed before me. As I was getting my hair cut yesterday, I was sitting in the seat. The same young lady cuts my hair every single time. And as we were talking, she was talking for just a few moments about how stressed she is. And one of the things that encouraged me as we began to talk is she was talking about certain things that are going on in her life and she's been tuning into our live stream, watching our services. And she's listening to the the preaching of the Word of God taking place and I was encouraged to hear that those types of things that she is trying to do, she's trying to listen to the preaching and it's helping her. And I began to think about that small little investment right there. What does that investment cost? It costs some financial money to go and get a haircut. It costs sometimes I've got to get there and I've got to figure out a time and all of those many things. But as I sit there in a seat about 12 to 15 minutes, once every week and a half to two weeks, that investment really in the grand scheme of everything is not taking that much effort. And there are so many things within our lives that we ask ourselves, what could I do more of? How could I invest my time for the Lord's work a little bit more? You know, our soul winning efforts as a church, can I share with you, church, I, I, I want to see every single one of you out on Saturdays going soul winning. You say, well, Saturdays is my only day off. Well, I believe there's coming a day one day when we all get to heaven and the Lord's going to ask some hard questions. And I wonder how the answer, well, Saturday was my day off, so that's why I didn't come. I wonder how the Lord will take that answer. I kind of envision that it'll be kind of like the Jeopardy show whenever you give your answer and all of a sudden you hear the buzzer and it sounds like this. Ah! It doesn't fly. When we begin to ask ourselves, what could we do more of? Lord, I could serve you better in my workplace. I could serve you better in my home. Lord, I could serve you better in the local church. Lord, I could do more in this area. Lord, I could do better in this area. Lord, I, I need to be devoted to living a godly life. Bible says in Colossians 3, verse number 17, And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Notice what he says in verse number 3, and we'll be done. He says this, Show thyself a man, and keep the charge 
the Lord thy God. Solomon, don't just keep the charge, but walk in his ways. Solomon, don't just keep the charge and don't just walk in his ways, but keep his statutes. Solomon, don't just keep his statutes, keep his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. Can I share with you, there is great blessing in living a life that is completely given and yielded to the Lord. You say, well, it just takes a lot of work. Well, you're living a life, you only get to live it one time. You're working at something, you're working for something, you're working towards something, you might as well do it all towards the Lord. As you begin to think about the difference that your life can make, you say, well, my, different, my life, it's only one life. Can I really and truly make a difference? Some of the greatest individuals, heroes of the faith that we would say, are individuals that as we look back, we see that they're just one life, but we're still talking about the difference that they made today. I wonder tonight if there are some parents who is trying to convey that message to their children, listen, I want you to live a godly life. I want you to be completely given to the Word of God. I want you to be completely given to the will of God. Listen, I want there to come a time in your life when you don't just live off of what your dad and mom have done, but you make a decision. Lord, I want to be the Christian you saved me to be. In my office, I have two Bibles right now in my office. One of them is the very first Bible that I ever got. It's in rough condition. I got it whenever I was a young child, and it was a terribly bound Bible. The leather is about as hard as it, I mean, if I were to take the leather binding off, because it just completely comes apart and hits you with it, you would think that I'm hitting you with sandpaper. I mean, it's just rough. But I have kept that Bible because that was a reminder to me of the Lord taking a situation in my life as a young child. I'd never been introduced to church. When my parents divorced, I remember them divorcing. And when they divorced, I was a young child, never been to church, had no intentions of going to church. Obviously, my parents didn't. And all of a sudden, my mom and stepdad had gotten together. And as they had gotten together, they began to take us to church. And I was given a Bible. And on my Bible, my name is on there, Joshua Mark Farmer. And I cherish that Bible because it's a reminder to me of of the faithfulness of God and where it all started from. And on top of that Bible is a Bible that I cherish, and it's my grandfather's Bible. My grandfather is in heaven today, and I'm thankful that the very last conversation that we truly had was him sharing his testimony and clarifying and giving me a peace and assurance that, hey, we'll see each other again. And I cherish that Bible, and there are times whenever I'll just hold that Bible. It's a small little Bible. It's in rough condition as well, but it's not in rough condition because a child didn't treat it the right way probably. It's in rough condition because as I thumb through those pages, I I get to look through those pages and I get to see where he had written things in the margin. Where he had highlighted certain passages of Scripture. And I shared this a while back with you, but I wonder sometimes what was God doing in my grandfather's life during that time whenever he highlighted that. As he highlights Proverbs chapter number 3, verses 5 and 6, what was God dealing with my grandfather about at that time in his life? As I go to John 3.16 and I see in the margin certain notes that he has, and, and what was God dealing with my grandfather about in that time of his life? And there's coming a day when we'll be able to unite again. 
But I believe as I'm serving the Lord right this very moment, if my grandfather could share any advice right this very moment, he'd say this. He's worthy. He's worthy. As you labor on earth, realize that your work is not in vain. The Savior is worthy. And can I share with you tonight, as you're laboring and walking through this world, show thyself a man. Sell out to the Lord. You say, what's it worth? It's worth everything. And He's worth everything. Sell out and be exceptional. Lord, we do thank You tonight. We thank You for Your goodness. We thank You for how wonderful, wonderful You are. Lord, I believe far too often we go through this life and Lord, we waste our days. Lord, I don't know about everyone else, but I don't want to waste any more days. Lord, I want to be someone who is different. Lord, I want to be someone who is sold out. Someone who's exceptional. Not because I'm anything or I have anything to offer because you're everything and you've given all. Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight. Lord, help us to sell out to you, to surrender all on the altar and say, Lord, my life is yours. Use it the way you see fit. We'll thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.